Hello and welcome to the United Mates Football Podcast. My name is Joe and as always I'm joined by my co-host Kaitel. We've also got a special guest for you too. Today we're going to be doing a match recap um, of the Sheffield United versus Tottenham Hotspur match. A match that I obviously enjoyed as did my guest. So a big welcome to the show, or well, welcome back, I should say, <laughs> to Abby Grace Summers. Abby um, is the presenter of the Run of Play um, football podcast, and also, yeah, appeared on United Mates or what was then Blazers for Goalpost back in the summer when we did a North London Derby special. So, Abby, how are you? Welcome back. I'm good. Thanks for having me back on, guys. Nice to see you both. Um, and I'm good. I'm happy. What well, can't complain when you've um, finished a weekend with three points um, and attacking football might to add so um, I'm in a good mood. Fantastic. I was chatting with these guys before and was mentioning that having to wake up kind of early to catch the the Spurs game this morning which as you mentioned was quite entertaining with some attacking football on on display but yeah it's lovely to to have you back with us Abby and um, I can't remember if we whipped out an icebreaker the last time you were on the podcast but we typically like to kick things off with an icebreaker so given that I noticed you recently guested on the cheese room podcast mm-hmm. today's icebreaker for all of us is going to be our favorite cheese related food item so I'll, I'll get the ball rolling and i'll give you a sweet option and a savory option but you don't have to be that diverse necessarily <laughs> so for dessert i'd like a bit of a cheesecake and living out here in la we're quite close to mexico so we get a good amount of central american food so i'm gonna go for a quesadilla so abby what would your favorite cheese related dish be I love a cheesecake as well. I love a cheesecake. So, but I like cheese in general. It's quite possibly my favourite thing. So, I mean, mozzarella dippers, I could literally live off of those. Probably <laughs> be my favourite. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, out here, um, mozzarella sticks with some like marinara sauce to dip them in is it's a good, it's a winning oh, combo. Uh, Joe, what about is. you? Yeah, no, I'm, I, I love all things cheese. Um, sadly, I don't think the cheese room at Spurs ever became a reality, though, but I wish it did. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, you know, if, if I'm having a nice cheese board, you know, you can't go wrong with a nice brie. I think I'll just. Oh, I was, a nice bit of brie and crackers. Uh, oh, oh yes. Absolutely love it. <laughs> so, yeah, that. So there we go. Those are our, um, our favourite cheese related items. Um, but let's talk about Tottenham Hotspur and. I'm very happy that we're going to be talking about a Tottenham Hotspur victory against, albeit Sheffield United. But let's um, let's take it back to the starting lineups, and um, I guess that it was a bit of a surprise in a way that we went for three at the back. Joe Roden came in um, for Musa Sissoko, and we had Bergvine playing as well. And um, who, who was the other person that dropped out? Actually, I'm trying to think. We had we, we had Ben Davis come in. Oh, um, this as well. Yeah, there was plenty, wasn't there? Yeah, we had quite a few changes um, of personnel, but I, I think it kind of worked in our favour, obviously. I think I think with, with us, if we actually play attacking football, which is our strength, I think that we tend to play a lot better. Um, and I, I quite like the changes. I think it's, it's one of those things where obviously it, it depends on the game, um, tactically, of course, but I, I quite like... I, I don't mind Davis playing at centre-back. I don't mind him. And if, if, if you know, if Reggie's being pushed further up, he he knows that that left back role he has to fill in for, so you know he can he can do that as well as play centre back. He can provide the cover needed, um, and you know I think he's always looked pretty solid when he's played at the back for us. No, I agree, and I think um, today it really um, it gave um, Regi on that license to really drive forward, and in the first half in particular, he was um, 
he was all over Sheffield United. But um, when you when you first saw that team, because I saw it on Twitter before the game, obviously always scrolling through, a lot of people seemingly were quite negative about it, going, "Oh, we're going for a back five against Sheffield United." What what when you sort of first saw that team sheet, did you see it more that way, or did you see it more as an opportunity for Aurier and um, Regillon to have that kind of license to just drive forward in, in those wing back roles? Yeah, I didn't think we were going to just sit back sit back against Sheffield. I didn't think it was negative at all. I thought it was actually a very positive move. Um, and when you've got fullbacks that have got the pace that we've got and that can get crosses in the box, um, like Regillon has shown he can. And I, I think that that was exactly what he was trying to do. My only, you know, critique would have been the Delhi situation. And, you know, there's a lot of discussion over the fa- in, in the fan base about Delhi. Should he stay? Should he go? Should he loan? And, you know, there's a bit of a split thing, whether or not it's this is Mourinho being Mourinho or whether or not, you know, Delhi really has come to the end of his time. Um, and I think that's what was maybe winding people up a little bit, you know, seeing Jetson on the bench instead of him. Um, but look, I think that we just have to put the situation with Delhi to bed and to one side because we we can blame Mourinho and I don't I actually don't think it's Mourinho's fault. I think he gave Delhi an opportunity. Um, you know, when he first came in and he said, you know, are you Delhi's brother? And I think, like he said openly, you know, if you and John Bellet is a perfect example. So he's, you know, we all know that he, he was not in favour of him. It looked very much like he was heading for the door. And then he said, you know, if you want to be here, you have to fight for it. And I don't have an issue with that style of tactic from a manager. Um, on a player, I think it's actually quite good because you only want players there that are going to put 100% in and work for the team. And I think that with Delhi, he's given him that opportunity and it hasn't, he hasn't obviously seen what he wants to see. But if you go back to while Pochettino was still there, Delhi still wasn't the Delhi that we all knew and had come accustomed to, you know, back in 2018. In the last, you know, ton of two years, he has fallen off. And I would have liked to see him go on loan. Maybe he still will go on loan and maybe he'll come back and there'll be a resurgence. Um, but I think that as, it, as as a shame as it is for all of us, and, and I did feel it too, I was upset to not see Delhi involved. I think we just have to, you know, it's unfortunate, but he's, he's just got to move on. I think it's obviously best for everyone if we just kind of part ways and, um, you know, get some fresh blood to, to fill that gap. Mm, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you, but I was very upset not to see him on the bench. And I think just like a lot of Spurs fans, given how well he's done for us, like you said, the last few years he hasn't, but overall he's, he's always contributed and we know mm. he's got that star quality. It's sad to see it end this way. But yeah, before we sort of dive into the first half, Kai, what, what do you think about this whole Deli Alley situation at Spurs? Do you Are you happy at the thought of him moving on from Spurs or do you think that he's, um, he's not the man he once was? Well, the boy, I guess, back in those early days, yeah. he was very young. That's a good point because he is he's still quite young. So I think um, definitely there's something wrong because we've all seen the talent that he possesses and he hasn't been able to showcase that or whether or not he's been showcasing it on the training ground. We haven't seen it because he hasn't been getting the game time on the pitch. Um, I think he needs a fresh start, whether it's a permanent move or a loan. He needs something I, or a run of games, but it doesn't look like he's going to get that. So inevitably you'd think, I guess... Yeah, as a Spurs fan, you'd probably be wanting a loan move because Delhi's a brilliant player. And if he can come back and be the guy that he was once upon a time, that's only going to be an asset. Again, I guess from an England fan's perspective as well. Likewise, going into this Euro tournament, he might be able to... Yeah, I don't know. I think it's in his best interest to get football sooner rather than later, especially with the Euros. So I, you know, jokingly, when we had... um, Who are we chatting to? Frankie Hobbs mentioned that I would take Arsenal. And you, you kind of like laugh me <laughs> off the call, but um, I stand by that. I think he's a Premier League quality player, a top half like quality player, even in the form that he's in right now. You look at someone like Emil Smith-Rowe, who has you know barely any minutes in the Premier League, but just by virtue of the fact that he is 
attacking midfield player. There aren't that many attacking midfield players that play that position naturally. James Madison would be a good example. Jack Grealish. Mm. Otherwise, Kevin De Bruyne, sort of. He can even play a bit deeper. There aren't that many attacking midfielders. And I would call Delhi an attacking midfielder. So I think that given the the lack of those types of players in the Premier League, I think he's a massive asset. Um, hopefully, he'll find the right club and he'll, yeah, he'll, uh, he'll start performing again. But I guess you mentioned the, the goals and you mentioned earlier players who've kind of, so like Deli Alley needing to turn things around. I guess Serge Aurier would be someone who has turned things around and he popped up with the first goal. Given that you signed Matt Doherty at the beginning of the season, it wasn't clear whether or not Aurier was going to be the guy. And he's kind of fought his way back into the team recently and obviously popped up with the opener today. Um, what did you make, Abby, I guess, of the nature of that first goal, given that Sheffield United are quite a physical side and that you were able to open the scoring today from a corner? Uh, I mean, I think for us, it was always going to be about getting the first goal, um, you know, which a lot of the time it has been for us. We, we do tend to score, you know, quite early on in games. But I think with Sheffield coming off their win um, to get that early goal kind of set the tone for the day. Because I think that if we would have let it go on and drag on, they would have probably built a little bit, bit more confidence as the game went on. Um, so it was really important for us. And um, like you said, with Serge Aurier, He's been a bit of a revelation. I mean, look, he's still got the odd mistake in him, as do some of our players. You know, Davidson Sanchez also springs to mind. Um, <laughs> but when you think that you brought in Mac Doherty to be the number one, essentially, and actually it's completely flipped the switch and he's probably, he's now our number two choice and Aurier starts over him. Um, I think that's also credit credit to the player because, again, no one was Team Aurier. And I don't believe anybody that sits here and says that they were beforehand because he got pelters every single time he played. And it'd be such a small minority of people that always said, oh, no, I always loved Aurier. Bollocks. No, they didn't. So I think that credit where it's due, he's, you know, come on so much under Mourinho. And um, it just shows you, no one's saying, that. just back to Delhi. no one's saying that Delhi isn't a great player. He is. But I think that it really depends how hard you're willing to work and how much effort you're going to put in. You want your, your players to run through brick walls for you. And I think that's kind of the message that Jose was trying to send to him. Um, and maybe it just hasn't been enough in, in his eyes. And maybe just it, the course has run with him being at Tottenham. Mm. maybe yeah. joe i'll let you jump into the to the second goal but speaking of players who kind of would run through a brick wall hoiberg was the guy who broke up the the sheffield united attack and set i think harry kane eventually on his way were you quite um impressed with how spurs were able to soak up pressure after they scored the first goal and then compound sheffield united's sort of misery with the second goal yeah no i was i think it was a really good first half for spurs and just before getting into that i mean Son had that chance quite soon after he went 1-0 up where normally you'd expect him to bury it. And it was quite a good dink by him, but he just didn't quite get his angles right. And you could see how frustrated he was. Um, but yeah, you could see from very early on that we meant business today. And then, yeah, once we get the first goal, we've been there before, we've been 1-0 up and it's all gone horribly wrong. So we knew that getting that second goal, especially against a team like Sheffield United, really should be the killer blow. And eventually, like you said... Hoiberg breaks up the play, Kane gets it, who'd actually been a bit rusty, I thought, up until that point. But then he gets the ball, he turns, and it's it's a fantastic finish. And I think it's easy to say now, but at that point, going 2-0 up against Sheffield United, you're feeling pretty confident. I mean, um, Abby, what I mean, obviously it was a fantastic finish by Harry Kane. What 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 had you made of his um his first half performance up until that finish? I, I don't like to criticise Harry Kane because no, I think Harry Kane is so he he's he's so much more than just a striker. He is everything, you know. The, his work rate is just 
unbelievable. You know, he tracks back, he defends, he is in midfield, he's absolutely everywhere. So, okay, yeah, he can have a few quiet games and I just don't ever, th- I, I personally hate calling out Harry Kane because I think that we have got someone that is the best striker. For me, he's the best striker in, in, in Europe by a mile. I absolutely adore him. I love the way he plays. He's so deadly in front of goal. And, you know, he's t- he is a team player. He works so hard for the team. Not many strikers can do what he does um, for that and have the impact he does across the team, not just in front of goal. So, you know, he might have been a little bit quiet, but you give him the ball in the right area. It's a deadly finish. It's a bread and butter. It's on a plate. It's literally on a plate for him. It's that type of Harry Kane goal you love to see. We've seen it time and time again. Um, and just to touch on Hoybier, honestly, what a signing! Because when 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 he signed from Southampton, you know, I, I remember speaking to Matt Letizia on um on a project I was doing, and he said, "Oh, he's a bit average. I don't think he's going to really improve, um, <laughs> improve Tottenham." And you know, obviously, he's, he's, South, he's a Southampton fan. He's seen him week in, week out. And my God, he has been. That he's been signing of the season by a mile. I mean, what what a player! Just he is just everything we didn't know we needed, and that we were missing that we that we just a hundred percent needed. And I just I love him. Wow, what a player! <laughs> he's um, he's everything I hoped and more. I mean, yeah, I I I had sort of highish hopes, but I didn't think he'd become quite this this influential at this stage. And he's already a leader. I mean, he he sort of feels like the captain in a way before. Yeah, he um, he's got that but- real presence but that's what you want you want a player and you know what I I love Harry Winks as well and I know he he really does split our fan base completely down the middle I love Harry Winks for the fact that he loves Tottenham and I love having someone in that side that is like Tottenham through and through that you know would put his body on the line every single time you know he feels it in his heart when you lose games I love that and I feel like Hoiberg is that type of a guy I feel like he's so passionate about the team he's playing for he just he he just would do anything brick brick wall yeah he gets it He's a brick ball player, and I like brick ball players. He's like uh, Granite Xhaka, but in like an alternate universe where he actually channels his passion <laughs> into like an appropriate place, <laughs> and and it's a good, he's a good footballer. Yeah, because what's interesting about Hoiberg is you look at his technique and his his engine, and yeah, I wouldn't put him in like necessarily the top one for any of his physical or technical attributes, but it's his mental strength and the way that he reads the game and his willingness to die for the cause that essentially yeah. makes him an invaluable player so far this season for Tottenham alongside um, Tangi and Dombele today that was a perfect kind of balance uh, in the midfield along with the formation that you guys played and obviously Ndombele went on to score quite a brilliant goal although am I getting ahead of myself because um, Sheffield United would, would get back to 2-1 wouldn't they? Well, so, you're allowed to get ahead of yourself <laughs> yeah, was... but yeah <laughs> well I think maybe we'll, I'll, I'll save, we'll save that for a bit later because we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. approach it in order but it was a brilliant goal and we, we will get to it but obviously what was it in the early second half yeah so half time 2-0 I think everyone's pretty happy um, we start the second half there's always I guess with a Mourinho side you know you're probably going to sit back a little bit but then given how well the first half has gone you're thinking are we going to push on maybe score a few more goals and I actually don't think we started the second half that badly. We definitely dropped back a bit, but then, um, you know, obviously um, the cross comes in. I think John Fleck delivers a really good cross. And um, yet again, we concede from a cross. So, um, yeah, McGoldrick um, pops up with a header. At that point, Abby, are you, are you getting worried? Or are you, are you, are you, are you yeah, what, what, what are your thoughts at that moment? Because it's, it's, it's clearly a, a really nervy moment for Spurs fans when any, anything like that happens. Oh, well, just with our track record lately, I just was sitting there going, oh, no, 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 no. And then, but you know what? I think a massive, what the massive help was having that two goal 
lead you know because if that's 1-1 I don't know how that game would have ended on <laughs> honestly I really don't <laughs> I just don't know how that would have ended but having that second goal you know for for our, our advantage was was massive for us because it still meant we had that bit of cushion where we could go forward but it just shows you that the difference between playing attacking football and inviting it on and inviting the pressure on don't invite the pressure on because there's just no need especially and we should we, we should never have done it on against Fulham and it still winds me up you know five six days later that we allowed that to happen against Fulham at home you know and all credit to Fulham Fulham played very well but you know, at the end of the day, you're Tottenham Hotspur and we're supposed to beat Tottenham Hotspur. We're supposed to be challenging. We were in a title race not too long ago. And um, it just seems to me that every time there's an opportunity for us to, you know, close the gap at the top or go top or within a point, we just seem to bottle it. And it really, really winds me up because it's been a recurring thing for years on years on years whenever we've been in that situation. But today, when they got one back, I did get a little bit nervy, but then all of a sudden there was that little bit of brilliance. Um, and then it was all it was all plain sailing from there, really. Oh yeah, I, I still haven't got over that goal. Um, what what a goal! What, uh, what, what wow. such a baller! Yeah, I mean, let, let, let's talk about Tangyun Dombele because yeah, obviously he's just gone and scored a goal that is well, could end up being goal of the season. It was that good, but um, he's yeah, he obviously had a tough start to life at Spurs. It looked like he was out the door. He's come back in the team this season he's, he's looked really good and now in the last few games his fitness looks like it's improved he looks like he's even more confident than he was before and then he does that I mean how good is Tangi and Dombele Abby is he is he one of the best in the league what what how, what, is, what can we say about him he's just incredible he's great he's got the potential to be phenomenal and he's already on the right tracks and I remember listening to Mourinho saying about why he always took him off in 60 minutes and then 70 minutes and whatever and it was to do with obviously the the stamina throughout the game and having that because well you know he did look a little bit chunky last season he obviously wasn't quite up to the fitness levels he needed to be and he's, he's worked hard credit to him credit to Mourinho as well for you know for sticking with it giving each other a, a new slate and um, I mean, what a player. It would have just been the biggest travesty if he would have gone. And I remember sitting on so many podcasts at the back end of last season saying he cannot leave. He has got so much talent in him. There is something so special in him that you cannot let him allow him to go elsewhere because it will, it will be like a De Bruyne situation for Chelsea. He'll come and bite you in the ass if you let him go. And um, I'm just really happy he's stuck about because we have such a player on our hands. And when we are allowed to play attacking football, you just see what quality he has, you know, whether it's in front of goal or picking passes, looking. He's he's one of those players that has the potential, like De Bruyne, to see things that you can't see. So the more that he plays in that higher up the pitch position, the more he can get forward, I think the more we'd see that type of um, football from, from Ndombele. Mm, he's got that knack as well whenever he gets the balls. He just finds a way to get past people and he's got that strength where he... I don't think I've ever seen. Him. He's he's a bit he's a bit like Moussa Dembélé, mm. but with a more attacking flair. And imagine if they would have played in the same team. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, it would have been a lot of fun. Yeah, Moussa Dembélé wow. attacking flair and and an N and an O instead of an E, I guess. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, and Kai, what do you what do you as an Arsenal fan? I'm sure, yeah, seeing Dembélé score that goal, you're not going to be getting too excited. But um. Do you yeah? Do you see him as one of our best players now? How do you, how do you rate the guy? I rate him very highly. It's not going to be until he maybe finishes the season with this type of form that you can, I guess, 
feel too confident in backing up like these this high praise because it, it is you can, I wouldn't call it a flash in the pan because it's obvious the guy has talent and he was doing it in France before but I think you know from a third party perspective if I'm going to take my Arsenal hat off like you'd like to see him kind of extend this form for yeah 10 20 games um but essentially just on a pure talent level I think he's up there with De Bruyne as uh, Abby was saying I think he's kind of what probably a lot of United fans hope that Paul Pogba would be on occasion in terms of how um, positive his play is and um, how powerful he is. I think um, it was kind of a bit of unusual for me to see him today get on the end of the ball over the top by Bergvine, I think it was. Um, from what I've seen of Ndombele, he tends to start play more than kind of follow up on it. So I thought it was quite cool to see him chase the ball over the top and obviously the finish itself was quite spectacular you couldn't really tell if it was going to go in for a second and then it hits the post and Ramsdale still tries to like claw behind him and fish it out but it reminded me almost it was a very similar feeling that I got from the goal of seeing like wow that's pretty special but it was a different finish to Bale against Stoke many years ago mm, yeah yeah with the, high, with the high leg yeah with exactly. the high leg yeah. it's kind of just yeah. that moment where you're like oh that was a bit special you don't really see that every day so um yeah, I mean, he, he's he's capable of the sublime and Domblay. Like I said, I'd like to see him um, stay consistent, but it looks like um, you guys have a real star on your hand, despite it taking him like a year to sort of get get his ass in gear. Um, he's, mm. uh, he's bought into the Mourinho kind of mentality. And I think that everything I mentioned that Hoiberg isn't, I think Ndombele is in terms of mm. having the technique, having the power. Um, so they're a perfect partnership. I just think the only thing I was thinking today was, and I don't know if he's injured, I didn't look at the bench, but what's up with Lacelso? Yeah, he's still he's still out injured. He had um he had a I think it was a thigh injury. I think he picked it up at was it Stoke? Or Yeah, he's always getting knocks, isn't he? Probably, yeah, that, that sounds about right. And then he's, he he's he's been out for quite some time. He's been out since before Christmas. I'm pretty sure that it was a thigh injury or a hamstring. But I'm it was it was quite it was a while ago. I think it was I think it was Stoke. He's picked yeah. it up, but he should. Pro- I I would expect him to be back within pro- probably the next three weeks or so. Right, mm. then he'll just be out again for like another month or two. The guy's made a glass. Like he has he strung more than ten games together since he joined. Mm. I don't know, no. but the thing is now, I reckon he's going to find it hard to get back in the team the way yeah. Tangy's playing. But um, speaking about um, the assist, it was Steven Bergvine who made the assist. Um, and he's had an interesting time of late. He obviously, in that game against Liverpool, he missed the big chance. He hit the post. He had the other. He had the other miss. He got quite a lot of flack mm. online, as you do, um, given that we ended up going on to lose. And whilst he clearly has bought into the Mourinho methods, he he puts in a shift every game. He's his confidence is seemingly lacking from an attacking perspective in terms of grabbing the goals for himself. What what do you think about Bergvine, Abby? Do you do you sort of rate the fact that he's he's willing to put a shift in, or do you think we we need to demand more from him in that final third as well? I mean, maybe I'm being a bit harsh. He did he did get that assist, but I I often feel at the moment when he gets into the box and whether he just seems a bit nervous. What, what what do you think? Well, look, he was brought in as an attacking player but he's being used predominantly as a defensive player. And that is purely down to, obviously, the manager and the tactics he likes to play. We know that he likes to play him or Lucas Moura purely for the fact that they they will track back. Um, I'm a strong believer that's why he doesn't play Bale or um, Vinicius um, in in a front three. Um, Similarly with Lamella, even though I do find Lamella does track back when he does play. Again, another one made of glass. Um, But yeah, I... 
he looked really bright when he signed in front of goal. And obviously, we haven't really seen him be bright at all in front of goal. I think the last one I can think of was obviously against United. Yeah, um, you're right, yeah. And against Liverpool, look, he got a lot of flack, and I think I think our fans were bang out of order because for the the misses that the misses that he missed, um, what he made up for. Sorry, my battery just went. For the misses that for the misses that he missed, what he he makes up for it defensively, and anyone that can do that job and track back as much as he does when it's not his natural position, he's not a defensive player. But to come into the side and do that, you have to give the player credit. He's doing the job that he's been handed, and yet you know he actually does it very well as that you know extra man in midfield. However, the the ones he missed, it is disappointing because if they fall to Son or if they fall to Kane, you know it's a different story. And that's where I feel like with Tottenham, we've got that little bit of an issue that it's a, the reliance of Kane and Son, but also it's just, it's, I would like to see us attack more because our biggest asset is our attack. You look at the bench, you know, you've got Bale, you've got Vinicius, you've got, yes, Lucas doesn't pass to a white shirt, but still, <laughs> you've got but you've got Bergwin, you've got Lamella, you've got La Celso, you've got attacking players. And I would just like to see us utilise that more. And there are games when you don't have to utilise it. No issue with the City game, no issue with the Chelsea game, no issue with Arsenal. My issue is Palace. My issue is Wolves. My issue is Fulham. That's where my my, my problem is about not utilising what we've got, you know, and making negative substitutions. Why, you know, today, I think, you know, probably Kane could have come off at 65, 70 minutes, bring Vinicius on, bring Bale on. I think that's that the whole point was he begged Daniel Levy to give him attacking options begged him for another striker so utilize what you have don't just wait for the Europa League to come about because how do you expect this poor guy who's come here from Benfica he's 25 years old he obviously can score a goal but let him have some game time in the Premier League how are you ever going to know if Gareth Bale is you know capable of recovering any type of form if you don't play him we're just paying someone's wages to sit there on the bench which he was doing at Madrid we might as well see if there's anything that can help us as the season goes on, rather than just have this outright reliance on, the, on, on Kane and Son the whole time and mix it up, see what they are about. Because they obviously can get goals. I, I fail to believe that Gareth Bale can't come on and contribute into a game against Fulham. No, I, just, I, I, just, I just can't foresee that that wouldn't help the team. Yeah, you, it, it does seem odd. I mean, there was some weird clip that got leaked, which who knows if it's true, where you sort of hear Mourinho in the training ground go, do you want to go back to Madrid and sit on the bench? So, you know, there's all murmurs and maybe there's some discontentment. But no, you, you have to hope that Bale gets a bit more time. But one one final question I have is, given that Bergvine sort of playing well, but not really scoring, Lucas, like you said, he doesn't quite work. The Mellor, again, he's a squad player. Would you take Ericsson back on loan and slot him in there ahead of those guys? Given every, given that Delhi seemingly it's all over for him at Spurs in the short term, would you, would you take Ericsson back? Uh, yes, I would take Ericsson back. I'd like an apology from Christian Ericsson yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, on behalf of all of us. I'd like an apology. No, look, you cannot deny that Christian Ericsson has bags and bags of talent. Okay, and look, the the last year and a half when he was at Spurs was a bit sour. It didn't end great. Um, and that was purely down to the player, but he still contributed. There was still many a time, you know, in that last year and a half, he's he's come up with the goods. And we don't have a, mid, a midfield scoring player, you know. Obviously, we saw today with Ndombele, but it happens very rarely that someone else contributes. And um, 
would I bring Ericsson back to the end of the season? 100%. I think it's an area that we haven't got. I think it's an area we'd like Lacelso to be and, and fill the boots of, but I don't think that he is as attack-minded as Ericsson. I don't think he can pick the pass quite as well. Um, I think he's more defensive in, in that mind in that role. Um, so, yes, I'd take him back. I think it could be a piece of the puzzle that could really help us get over the line with everything being so tight in that league. Um, you know, we've gone from being in a title race to being eight to back being in the top four. And, you know, United have just come out of absolutely nowhere. And I don't think anybody can understand how United, you know, at the top of the league. It's just bizarre. Um, and I think that any 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 team that had Christian Eriksen is it, it had Eriksen playing in it would would benefit. You can't not. Uh, but I don't want to hear him be called a free kick specialist because he's not a free kick specialist. <laughs> yeah, he's certainly definitely not a corner taker either. That was always no. I mean, I'm much much happier seeing Sonny take corners. He does take quite a decent corner actually, but we, I guess we didn't have much to compare it to because uh, the others were so poor. <laughs> Kai, um, we um, previously had discussed a few about a month ago. It was Ericsson was being linked with Arsenal at the time. Um, would you be annoyed if he en- ends up back at Spurs? Do you do you want him still? I mean, it sounds like if he's going anywhere, it's probably Spurs now. Yeah, what do you think? It from Spurs' perspective, we should be pursuing this sort of loan deal. Uh, he hasn't been, you know, the player that we're all really talking about for quite some time now. So I'm not too worried about it. I was sad to see him go to Spurs the first time because I think the player that left Ajax was a player who could have, because obviously he did want to use Spurs as a stepping stone. I do think that Ericsson did within himself at a certain point in his career have the potential to play for a Real Madrid or somewhere like that. I think that moment's gone. And I think that you could take him or leave him. You might as well put Delhi in the team. That's how I feel about Ericsson. Uh, if you're going to bring him back, especially from the financial outlay, why would you spend that money on wages? In that, if, you, if you're going to get Delhi out, then, you know, if you're going to do a one-in-one out shirt, if Delhi's going to rot on the bench, yeah. why would you bring I, Ericsson in? I think that's probably what I could see happening. Delhi may be going off to hang out with Poch at PSG and then, um, <laughs> yeah, Ericsson comes home. But, um, I, but I think Delhi would fit in at PSG. I think, you know, I'll be honest, I watched I watched the game last night. I watched the PSG um, on Andres game. And honestly, but it's, it's not even a comparison to the Premier League in terms <laughs> of quality. I mean, PSG should be walking that league every single season. They should be winning every cup. It shouldn't even be a debate. You know, when you look at the other teams, the, the quality is so much less than the Premier League. And um, and I'm not saying that's anything to do with Delhi, but I think that him to go there and get the confidence he needs, I think it's a really good move for him. And to be with a manager who he trusts and trusts him, I think it's, you know, a winning combination for both of them. And in terms of, you know, comparing him to Ericsson, I would always, I would have preferred to have Ericsson in my side because I've seen, even when Ericsson is performing at 50%, I still think that he can change a game. Um, whereas I've seen Delhi perform at 50% and he doesn't change a game um, in recent years. So having Ericsson back, I think it's a good thing to have him in, in that midfield. The way that he linked, he always linked up with Kane and Son, it really can't be a bad thing if Tottenham take him back for, you know, for six months. Mm. I guess before, um, before, yeah, maybe we wrap up, I, I wanted to pick out one positive. I just want to say one nice thing about Spurs that I, I noticed from today. And then I want to say one not so nice thing that I noticed about Spurs <laughs> from today. Um, I'll start with the nice thing being that I thought Joe Roden was brilliant. Um, mm. I am not sure why commentators persist in calling him Rodon. Like he's like, <laughs> he's a, a robot, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like a transformer or something like that. But anyway, um, I think Joe Roden's quality. And I think that if anything, he's putting a, what's <laughs> name? Ooh, my dog, excuse me. Um, he, uh, he's very passionate about Joe Roden, my dog, you see. Um, but um, I was going to say he's making, was it Sanchez look like uh, Mustafi? Just like you spent so much money on him. He's just chilling on the bench. But yeah, Roden's come in and he, he's doing the business. So Roden would be my one nice thing. Otherwise, I love 
uh, Son. He's a brilliant player. He's one of the best players in the league, but he is a diver and he can't help himself. And I noticed on two occasions in that game, him go down one off the ball where he just bumped into a Sheffield United player. And then the other, when Ramsdale kind of made a mess of sweeping up, like Son was running onto a through ball. And then I think you can probably remember it was either at the beginning of the second half or the end of the first half. And uh, Son just like leaves a leg dangling and, and just, uh, just tries to dive. Like it's, it's so blatant. Does that bother you? You know, I'm not saying that players at Arsenal don't dive, but come on, like, between Kane like breaking people's backs and you know, uh, and, and yeah. so on, or, or, or am I just am I just sour grapes over here? <laughs> I think a bit because yeah. like you know, it's, it's sour grapes. The Kane <laughs> thing. I mean, after you sound like a Liverpool fan, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, all teams have players that go down, but it's part of one football now. And you know, I'm sure if we go back to a few Arsenal teams from the past to present, you know, this yeah. this happens. But you know, it it, it, it is it is what it is. Well, what about- you're spot on. You're, you're, you're spot on about Joe about Joe Roden. Joe Roden is. I, I think he's he's been fantastic. And in terms of Sanchez, I think Sanchez has always just been filling a hole. I don't. I don't think any manager was completely sold on him. I think there's been times where you think he's progressing, and there are games you can use him in because he is capable at times of playing that high line and um, but I think that no one you always think that there is a mistake in him unfortunately and I think Roden is a perfect example of a defender's defender who loves to defend and you know wants to get down and dirty with all that and I think that he's just he's a really I think he'll be a really good signing for us from what I've seen so far I think it's great yeah mm-hmm. I do rate Joe Roden um but yeah I was just gonna say I guess on Sheffield United last season they were brilliant this season they are anything but brilliant um what is the difference between the Sheffield United of last season and the Sheffield United of this season? Um, yeah, I'll just throw that out there. Like, obviously, I reckon you probably would have gotten a more difficult game at, at Bramall Lane last season. Yeah, what's, what's gone wrong for Chris Wilder and Sheffield United? Yeah, I mean, we lost to them 3-1 last year after the lockdown. So they, were, they, were, they weren't doing well at the time. They clearly had a good game then. Uh, they've, had, they've had a few injuries. That Jack O'Connell guy, the defender, he's out. Um, there's that second season syndrome thing, isn't there, where to, they've maybe been worked out a bit. They they have a passionate fan base, which aren't going to games anymore. So I just think that, yeah, all those things combined haven't really um, mm. haven't really worked out in their favour. And yeah, I mean, I'd be incredibly surprised if they don't get relegated now, to be honest. They, they, I think they have to win 10. I think they've got to win 10 now. And I think it's a very tough ask. But like you said, fans play such a big role in football. And if anything we've learned from this whole coronavirus situation is that it's exactly that and that there is no home advantage anymore home and away doesn't count because there's no one there there's no pressure there's no 12th man and we've seen it at Liverpool you know actually that's another standout one um and also at West Ham where you can actually flip reverse it and they've actually benefited from not having their fans there um so it just shows you it just shows you how much of a role that fans play in, in football and getting you over the line because last season when we went there I mean obviously they didn't have fans there then we had that very controversial um, VAR decision on Lucas Mora but when they came to Tottenham in, in Poch's last game they should have won that game mm. there was that very controversial thing as well but they, they look like a completely different outfit and when uh, on the previous podcast I was doing there was a Sheffield United fan he was saying you know John Lundstrom is going to leave because they can't afford to pay 30 grand wages and it just shows you the the levels of difference in the Premier League, you know, we sit here moaning about paying Gareth Bale's wages two hundred grand a week, and they can't even afford to keep keep one of their star players for thirty grand a week. So, just shows you what fans and revenue and stuff like that brings into the side, doesn't it? Yeah, not looking good for the Blades. I guess at least they had one good season. 
But um, yeah, it is. It is what it is. Um, Kai, I think this is probably a, a good time to wrap things up. So I'll, I'll, I'll hand over to you. Yeah, well, cheers, Joe. As always, thanks for being my co-host. And to Abby, thanks for being our guest. We hope that you enjoyed yourself. And um, I guess to Joe and Abby, I hope you guys can sort of bask in the rest of this weekend and enjoy. Where are you guys in the table now? Are we fourth? Yeah, I think we're fourth. We're top four, which I'll take. I'll take that. Top, I mean, top four. And I think the, the Liverpool United result was a, was a good one too, obviously. Mm, a point that. each. Mm. Yeah, that's about, that was in our favour. Um, so I guess not too bad all around for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. If only Arsenal could have. I, I know you guys won't necessarily join in in that. Certainly not. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Certainly yeah. not. Uh, Abby, I guess, yeah, before we do let you go, thanks again, like I was saying. But otherwise, um, is there a good way for our listeners to, to follow you and any of your, your projects going on this new year? Uh, yeah, so obviously everything I do is through Twitter. Um, so it's at Abby underscore Summers. Um, is my handle um, as I think you touched on before run of play podcast uh, which is a general football podcast about football and culture um, new episode should be out tomorrow it's with Chris Coleman and his son Sonny uh, who's right. football agent yeah so um, they were really they were really cool we had them on the other night so we're just editing that tonight um, and that should be out tomorrow um, and also a new thing so anyone who follows Spurs you'll know the Spurs web um, we're launching a brand new YouTube channel um, which should be out Wednesday first episode we've got Graham Robertson um, a nice uh, easy legend to have on the show first one just be talking about Spurs things current situation talking about him and his charity work um and it should be yeah should be out Wednesday so keep your eyes appealed on my page and the Spurs web for that as well nice yeah a lot a lot going on it's not um not Sonny and Cher it's Sonny and Chris I guess <laughs> yeah and do you know what he's such a such a cool guy Chris Coleman what a great what a great guy everyone left the podcast when we were filming and we were like oh my god I want to see my dad he's that cool <laughs> Yeah, if, if you're out there taking father applications, Chris Coleman, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> as far as our end of things, um, for Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, uh, you can follow us at United Mates FP to keep track of everything we've got going on. We're doing these match recaps, uh, regular episodes, interviews, writing articles, and plenty more content. So do drop us a follow. Otherwise, on YouTube, you're going to be able to find all of those as well. And that's United Mates Football Podcast. Until next time, everyone, take care of yourselves and take care of each other as well. Goodbye.